0: Have you ever heard the expression, there's no there there? Well, let's ask the question, is there there there? That's our podcast from the full-service digital storytelling agency, Graphic Machine. I'm Matt Staub. I'm a partner here at Graphic Machine, here with the other two partners of Graphic Machine, Brian Jones. Hello. And Patience Jones. Hello. This is episode 61, The Colorful Edition. In the news this week was another subtle change, or what they may have thought was a subtle change, to a coloration of a logo. This time it was Spotify, the streaming music service. They changed to a different shade of green, and the world exploded. It led us to start a conversation about color and the intentional use of color in design. How much does color matter, and how do we use color theory, is it truly a science or is it subjective or somewhere in between?
1: Whenever we're beginning to pick colors for clients or when you see a color in use like the Spotify one, you immediately have a visceral reaction to it. And part of it is you have an association with the company and so you've assigned it in your mind, maybe a color that it's supposed to be. Beyond that, you also have decided whether or not that matches up and whether or not you are happy with the choice that they made. And sometimes that's really... A well-informed feeling, and sometimes it's just very much a bold, I have no rationale for this.
2: In design schools, and probably other schools too, there's a lot of time often spent on color theory and the psychology of color. And there have been loads of studies done that measure you know, how do people react when they are confronted with this particular shade of blue or this particular shade of green. So pre-digital, when everything was print, there was a lot of time spent in print shops to get the color exactly to be what it was supposed to be. Because, for instance, if that menu was slightly too yellow, sales would go down. So now we have digital, where it's not as clear. Different colors look different ways on different screens, different devices. And we're used to seeing more colors now. More things are possible digitally. So is the color selection, is the color psychology tie still as strong? And judging from Spotify, the answer would be
0: yes. In choosing colors, we try to be very intentional. But also there are trends in colors. Brian and I were having a conversation about this yesterday where In the 80s, everybody was red in certain industries, and then it became out of fashion. So colors become a really fundamental part of a brand identity. You can't imagine Coca-Cola without red. But also then, how permanent does that need to be as part of an identity, or should they shift? And I know sometimes we've done logos that are very specific, like this is your color and you need to own it. And then sometimes we've said, play with color a little bit because it's really the typeface or the shape that creates your identity more than anything. Does color have a variable role depending on the industry? I mean, I struggle to see its role in branding, I guess.
1: There's a lot happening in the color space. The increase of machine-oriented design, meaning things that are influenced by your specific visit to a digital property, I think we're moments away from color being unique to you and a brand. And so they determine what is likely to foster a good relationship with you and a brand, and they always show you that color. Whereas, Before, it was always like a brand out color, meaning Coca-Cola has red, to your point, Matt. So it's red for everyone. I think we may be seeing a switch in that paradigm where maybe the color starts to be unique to you rather than unique to the brand.
0: So the assumption then is that the brand starts to stand for a tailored experience. And that's more important with leaving a brand impression than actually imparting a color that feels like home. Because to me, that is the antithesis of the old school idea of brand consistency and conformity. Because it is playing with it.
1: Look at the red in advertising agencies in the 80s as a perfect example. People used it because it was a color that wasn't being used by anyone else. And so therefore it had a bit of an avant-garde cachet to it. Now that's used everywhere. It no longer has that. It feels very commonplace. So how do you pick something? If you are doing a brand out color scheme, meaning that the color comes from your brand and it's that way to everyone, how do you begin to pick that?
0: PJ, if the world did not have all these associations with colors, with brands, do you think if I were to name a brand or a company and say, what color does that make you think of? If you were just somebody off the street and you'd never seen any of these companies, and I said, what color do you think of when you think of Spotify? If you knew the company, but you didn't know the logo. What do you think of when you think of Coca-Cola? Do you think it would just be a crapshoot? Or do you think there is enough associative properties with the product that you might actually get more than random correctly?
2: I don't think people would be able to do that. I think if you presented them with multiple Spotify logos, for instance, it was the same logo but different color palettes and said this is a streaming music service, which one do you think?
0: Which one feels right. Right. I
2: think you would have a better chance of doing that. I think that, that color is not, it's kind of reactive instead of proactive, if that makes any sense. You subconsciously register how you feel about that color, how you feel about that brand, and you may or may not be able to articulate it. But I don't think you could say XY is a brand that I really love. I know nothing about their logo. I bet it's I bet it's blue. whatever color, right?
0: But there is a science to it, right? Like there yes. supposedly is this color is supposed to make you feel a certain way. You're supposed to paint your different rooms different colors. You're not supposed to have a red bathroom, for instance, or right. whatever. So doesn't that sort of undermine that whole theory if... We have associations, but we don't actually associate the colors with them.
2: You associate the colors, but I don't think you can articulate that association in a vacuum. It's subconscious. Yes. There's a book called Drunk Tank Pink, and it's all about color theory and psychology. The Drunk Tank Pink comes from this kind of Pepto-Bismol, trademark, pepto pink color that has kind of the same calming effect on everybody, regardless of gender or age back in the day and in some cases still, that's the color that you would paint the drunk tank. Because when you threw the drunk people in you wanted them to calm down and not be aggressive and it's the same color that you see for some reason in restrooms of old department stores, they tend to the ladies' rooms tend to be drunk tank pink. (laughs) Drunk (laughs) ladies drunk ladies shopping. It's a tough sales season. So yeah. So I believe firmly in the psychology, which sounds crazy because it's a fact, like you can believe in a fact, but I believe in it. But I don't think it's something that registers in a way that makes it easy for people to say, this is how I feel when I see
1: blue. There's also quite a bit around colors and their commonality. The warmer colors tend to be more infrequently used and the cooler colors tend to be more frequently used because of the calming factor of it, the non-confrontational nature of the cooler colors. You see a lot of blue, you see a lot of purple, you see a lot of darker greens, et cetera. But when you're looking to stick out, does it make sense to choose one of the warmer colors or does that then short circuit people's appreciation for your brand potentially
0: because people are looking for a signature. So sometimes they may go all wrong from the psychology and science aspect to try to get their orange or whatever, and then differentiating from your competition. How much is the industry doing a good job of integrating the science of what emotional associations you should have with these brands versus trying to be distinct. And I think that's kind of what your question gets to. I would love to hear some of these internal stories of why did you pick that color? And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times it's because client wanted blue And you have to really be like, well, all right,
1: let's let's take this apart.
2: And there's usually a tension between the desire, both on the part of the designer and the client, to move into something new, to break some kind of barrier or new ground. And then the fear that if you look too different from your competition, you've lost credibility. So like financial institutions, by and large, tend to be dark greens, dark blues, dark reds. There's a financial institution that adopted the color purple. It's like a bright royal purple. They definitely push the boundaries. But I admit, when I look at that, I think, eh, not so solid, not so established. I knew nothing about this place except the color that I've seen them associate with.
0: That's a really interesting example because ING, when they were a thing, were orange they stood out to me because they were the only one and I actually recognized their brand out of that massive morass of financial institutions because of that. But to your point, I don't know if that made me trust them more. I just noticed because they were, their clever branding in the circle and the and tagline. The,
2: t- right, they tied it in with yeah. the follow the dot and it was a dot of orange. If they had made their entire thing all orange typeface or a giant orange block, you may have felt differently about it. Yeah. Um, it's both the color and then how you use the color.
1: So interesting design problem. You brought up the Spotify example. How do you go about solving the feedback loop that invariably happens on a color choice? That is what's also kind of interesting in this space. You may have picked a color. You're trying to determine whether or not it's working. What metrics do you use to measure its success?
2: Well, in terms of Spotify, they're going to be measuring both in terms of what kind of social feedback they get and also... How many paid subscribers they have, whether that number changes. Part of that change will be attributable to Apple's new streaming music service. There were a lot of people that said, I'm canceling my subscription. I can't stand this anymore. People say a lot of things. Whether right. or not that's I mean, actually true. If
0: that's the reason we'll you see. can't use Spotify, then right. you have a very unique sensitivity.
2: What is curious to me about the whole process is that in march at south by southwest spotify announced that they were going to be undergoing this i don't think they called it a branding change but they called it a look and feel change and they introduced all of these new visuals and graphics but in every single thing the green color of their logo is the green that it has always been there was no mention of this new turquoisey green so people kind of got okay with the new look and feel did not see this coming. Spotify has refused as of the time of the recording of this podcast has refused to give any interviews or make any comment about why they changed it other than to issue like a memo to friends type thing that said, we know you've gotten very accustomed to what they called broccoli green, Mm, but we need to have it pop. And this is more on trend.
0: Well, and I think that that's, maybe intentional, like it's not supposed to be the most aesthetically pleasing color and maybe that's okay. In a world of the nice, pleasing, solid greens and blues, you have this lime green, puke green logo (laughs) thing. It does pop. I mean, it's not the most aesthetically pleasing, but it does a job I would be surprised if a lot of people are like, I just can't look at this pukey green on my iPhone screen anymore, so I'm uninstalling this
1: app. Okay, so that's an interesting duality there. You've got, on the one hand, short-term pop and sticking out, and then you've got the longer term. Does this connect people in a more deep and meaningful way with our brand? And so how do you determine inside that vacuum, which is more important to you? And when do you allow one to sort of supersede the other? I mean, that seems like that's a pretty fundamental question.
2: To use the Spotify example, and we'll put pictures up on the blog of what the different colors are, I would be really interested in knowing what testing they did, because the new green color that they chose is a color that you tend to see more often associated with down-market products. The blue in the green tends to not be something that you see in innovative, tech-forward, cutting-edge kind of stuff, by and large. So, especially when they're going to be going head-to-head with Apple, to me, it, it seems like a walk-back from the color that they had. And it's not that it's different, it's that it's this Particular
1: shade. So, in your version of this, they recognize the competition that's coming and that this is intended to be maybe more trendy and something that wouldn't necessarily be perceived as being expensive on purpose?
2: For the life of me, I don't know what they were thinking, but if I had to guess, I would say yes. I would say that it's the positioning of we're not the dictator that Apple is. We're warm and fuzzy. We're less expensive. We're not going to nickel and dime you. It's kind
0: of like you don't want to be the prettiest girl at the bar.
2: Uh, <laughs> <I> mean, <yeah.
0: laughs> you know, like nobody will talk I, I, to you I, if you're the prettiest girl. I
2: think so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think-
0: <laughs> maybe a different metaphor. Well, but- I
2: think that they were kind of middle of the range. I think people would be more willing to pay for a subscription with the other green. And I know that that sounds crazy. But when I look at this green... I may be surprised that I have to pay anything for it.
0: You have to think that they tested this, right? In some cases, we don't know. Like we talked right. in the past about Airbnb and Netflix logo changes and how people reacted to those. This one, I assume they did some testing. And then the other thing is, do people really know what they're reacting to, to the whole point you made about it's subconscious and some of the rationalizations we tried to reckon with and we're like, what the heck were they thinking? To the average consumer, I wonder, I mean, if they react. N-
1: a couple of things. One, I think it's very interesting that the only platform it has rolled out on so far that I've seen is on iOS. It has not been updated on the Android platform. I'm sure it's coming. But, right, you know, which is
0: a major no-no, because if you want your brand to be consistent, you need to rebrand in one but very way. It, it, it supports
1: way. the idea of this definitely being a reaction to Apple Music in some way. The other thought is that, is it important, and does it really do the job? Let's take them at their word, and if the claim is basically that this is supposed to be more on-trend. Does it do that job in a meaningful way? And is that helpful when you're thinking about for your business? At what point do you need to go out and say, we have to make this change to cultivate a younger audience to grow our business? And does that really work? And should being
0: reactionary be part of your strategy, especially when you have an established color as part of your brand? If it does seem like they're reacting to Apple, does that make them seem weak? And does that make them seem inconsistent when they change it? we talked a little bit about trends, like should you react to trends or should you be solid and show permanence? I guess it depends on your industry.
1: I feel pretty strongly in the Spotify instance that they have a pretty good argument for keeping on trend because the worst thing that you can do in a music business is feel like you're not getting the most current content that is music, especially that it's a commodity. There's a recent study release that people stop listening to new music at the age of 33. The Spectrum that you have to encourage to buy and consume music is relatively young. So you then have an argument that always changing your logo to be whatever the current color that appeals to that crowd is pretty high. So if that matches where your business is, I think that that makes some sense. But at a certain point, you get into the sort of revolving door of changes and you aren't focusing on being known for something. You're being known for the change of your, the color of your logo. Yeah,
0: you undermine your brand because it's just constantly changing and there's never a color that you own. From the pure branding perspective where I come from, that's bad. But I see kind of a maybe a new direction for that.
2: More often than not, there's a better version of something and a worse version of something. So if you want to change the color, fine, change the color, but pick the best changed color that you can.
0: So if you're going to do it, don't do it lame. Don't do it crappy. Don't do it pukey. Yeah. All right. Well, we've colored way outside the lines on this segment. We Aww. need to move on. <laughs> uh, the next section of the show is called Out There's or There There's. Out There's are things we found or you shared with us that we want to share with you. There There's are things that didn't go great. There There. And maybe could go better. We'll start with Brian this week with your Out There or There
1: There. I'm not really sure which this is. It's a uh, university in Utah. Utah Valley University has installed three lanes on its staircases for people walking up and down. There's a walk, a run, and a text lane. And it's in their fitness center, to be fair. So the running makes some sense of why there would be a running lane. But it is sort of a a sign of the times where there are obviously people at the gym, and I'm putting air quotes that you can't see on the podcast, but um, (laughs) and they are texting as they go up the stairs. So on the one hand, I guess it's good to get the slower traffic to the right, as it were.
2: The accident lane.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Pull off.
0: (laughs) It's totally acquiescing. I suppose it was that
1: or like deal with the fact that it was constantly a problem that people were complaining about.
0: Did anyone just get run over or something? And that's why they
1: were basically, as you would not be surprised, that people were so consumed in their phones that they were often creating these sort of bottlenecks. Now, I'm curious if the people that are consumed on their phones look up long enough to see if they're staying in the lane. (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of veering over an angle. Although
0: it's interesting today, I was walking from lunch back to the office and this guy was reading a book and veering all over the sidewalk. And I, was, I didn't know if I should go to the left of him or the right
1: of him. My favorite Difficult. thing, and we'll, we'll post a link to the picture that shows the staircase with the labeling on it, is that they've put the texting lane next to the running lane, which I think is actually shows that people have a sense of humor at a yeah. very basic level. So
0: <laughs> That's great. Out there for, you know, that move. And they're there for necessity in the first place, I guess. <laughs> I think so. PJ, oh, okay. what do you got for us today?
2: So Journal of Neuroscience has published a study from some scientists in Austria and Slovakia that shows that there is a relationship between when people feel empathy that draws on the same part of your brain as does when you firsthand experience pain. So they thought that there was this relationship, but they weren't positive. Now they've been able to show that yes, that is factually a thing. And because of that relationship, if you are on any kind of pain medication or painkiller, that inhibits your ability to be empathetic.
0: Wow. Yeah. So people that take aspirin all the time, yeah. they are hateful people.
2: That's right. That, that, is <laughs> that the, is a- That's the conclusion. Obviously. Yes. That's
0: obvious. Cognitively though, that means that we kind of are walking a mile and in- the shoes of someone if we are empathetic
2: exactly blisters and all yes and all of the repercussions that that has and implications for people who have substance abuse problems how it will further spiral you down that black hole
1: so how do you think this impacts health workers in terms of dealing with people that are in pain and having empathy that provides sort of an interesting conundrum because you're feeling various kinds of people's pain all day long.
2: It makes us understand now some of the hardship of being a healthcare worker because not only are you dealing with people in pain, but then you medicate their pain and they are less empathetic toward you. They don't care that you've been working a 16-hour shift. They don't care that you're trying... Your best. I
0: wonder if folks like that need to kind of steal themselves a little bit from the realities of their job and if that inhibits somehow their ability to be empathetic in other ways. I don't want to impugn any healthcare workers or anything. I'm just curious if there's that phenomenon. To your point, my other curiosity is I wonder if people that have challenges with excessive empathy maybe use substances to deal with it. Like if you can treat oh, your interesting. like you, you're just heartbroken when you see people that are sad and that is actually a reason why you might abuse because of this linkage. Maybe we, we didn't know about it before.
1: Here's a, a random aside <laughs> that is Brian's on, on a front. lot of pain meds right <laughs> now. Exactly. <laughs> so what if you have been drinking and you are taking pain meds the next morning to help deal with your hangover and the advertising that you would likely be seeking out. So, let's say like a Denny's or something like that. Do you take that into account? Because that's one of a core audience that you might be trying to attract. Are there certain products that you basically know that your audience is going to be on payments whenever you create the ad? I guess that's so kind of you, a long way of you, saying that. So,
0: you actually target them to be less conscientious during those times. So you're like, the, maybe,
1: maybe the, it impacts the pitch a little bit. The dead bit. animal platter. <laughs> Screw them. <laughs>
0: Uh, interesting.
1: That is interesting.
0: We're going to have to do a lot of research because we could spiral out on this one. We should actually do a whole other podcast on that topic. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, we'll of course post that link. I have a quick one. Mine is, I guess, an out there, but sort of a half-baked out there, and it's relevant to Spotify. The whole way that Apple's trying to disrupt this streaming music service is basically by having radio stations, which is kind of an old idea, but it's addressing the problem that it's overwhelming when you open up Spotify and you have a world of music, and you're like, what do I do first? And there's a lot of cool tools that you can use, playlists and radio, where you pick an artist and it plays other artists like that and other, like, Pandora features. But one thing they added today, or at least I saw it today, was this rewind feature. Oh, yes. Where you pick and it gives you a really weird assortment of choices. And you pick three artists you really like, and then it gives you a playlist for each decade of songs that you would like from that decade based on your taste from the current world of music. That's cool. So it's kind of interesting, but the playlists weren't super great, (laughs) actually. And, you know, the quality of these algorithmic services is low enough that Apple thinks that they're counterintuitively going to kind of fix it with human touch. And this service is yet another sort of half-baked Spotify innovation that would be really cool if it worked as well as you'd hope it would and maybe they can keep working on it. But I think that's true of a lot of Spotify apps is they have these really neat ideas that are just not quite there. I love Spotify and I use it every day, but this is yet another example of something that's like,
1: oh, cool. I'm curious about where they view it as done in the Spotify chain of events. Mm, You know, whether it's like a we get it to 75%, ship it. And then they seem to do that quite frequently, to your point, but they don't ever kind of revisit them. Or yeah, they do
0: they just fizzle out? Because if that doesn't reach mass adoption, and it's a hard ecosystem really to find those tools in too, because you don't know where it goes. There's like app add ins. Yeah, it's a weird platform.
1: I recommend going back to it twice, the thing that you were talking about, Matt, with the rewind, because the first time I got really weird selections, but the second time it went back, it actually was more accurate to what I listened to. I recommend. Yeah, that using was true second for me. Too. Time.
0: We'll post a link, of course, and you can use that whether you pay for Spotify or not. I for now. Was, and then the other quick thing is I discovered today and spent more time than I care to admit the karaoke tunes on Spotify. So there's a ton of karaoke <laughs> versions of songs where you can just sing along. And so I was actually feeling captive at the office. And I was like, I want to just start singing along to all these. <laughs> so I was listening to the karaoke versions of 90s hits. <laughs> nice. so, it was a
1: wind beneath my wings kind of day yeah. for you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Fly again. No, I won't do it. I'll release so, a podcast extra with me singing karaoke.
2: So what would each of your karaoke songs be? Like your signature, if you were going to have one song that was like always your karaoke song. Oh I'd
0: man, be. that is, I don't know if I'm prepared to answer that, but I did make a playlist and we can post the playlist <laughs> to the show page of the karaoke songs I want to come back to. I, w- like I will dig some of them as well. What about you, P?
2: I realized today in the car actually that I think my karaoke song would be MIA's Paper Planes
0: do you want to sing that while i do the closing credits just in the not. background <laughs> <laughs> all right fine well we'll post our own karaoke playlists from spotify you guys can go listen to that because this show is so over that was episode 61 the colorful edition for everything that we talked about including those playlists you can check out the show page graphicmachine.com ittt find all the other shows there too including the ones where we talked about logo and color changes in the past You can check out Facebook for a thread on each of the shows and you can post your thoughts there. Facebook.com slash Graphic Machine Inc. You can also check us out on Twitter at Graphic Machine and the show is at their podcast. Send us an email if you have thoughts and you don't want to post them on Twitter. ITTT at GraphicMachine.com Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.